Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrewer, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Nick here and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. And this week, we're discussing why do good things always seem to come to an end? Why do good things always seem to come to an end? Well, I was in a cab the other day, black cab, you know, traditional London cab. And um, the driver uh, of this cab was really having a good old wind. You know, like cabbies always whinge about stuff. If it's not Ken Livingston, it's speed bumps. And then, you know, wind it forward. Now it's Uber. But this guy, I felt quite sorry for him. And he's, you know, he's in his 60s and basically hadn't um, got a pension or anything. Had uh, really been making loads of money all his life from being a cabbie. But of course, along comes SatNav and Uber, and he's suddenly the absolute bottom. Bottom has fallen out of his, uh, you know, his his livelihood, and so you know he's saying he had to make work seven days a week and instead of sort of four, and still earning less than he was uh, back in the day. Um, now, personally, I thought, well, you know, it's a bit uh, silly, really, not seeing the writing on the wall there. And to some extent, you know, the cabbies through through the, their sort of inflexibility have, 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 you know, they could they they could have once once upon a time stood a chance of resisting Uber if they'd have gone to a more flexible pricing and uh, you know and sort of um, te- technological uh, model, but they they didn't until it was too late. Um, but you know, I love black cabs. I think it's it, you know they're 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 bloody expensive. No one doubts that. But it is like having a chauffeur. You know, it's re- it's a really high quality service. I love the fact that they know every street in London. I think it's amazing. He said that young people now get in the cab and they give him a postcode, and he he then says, oh, "I've got a clue what to do with the postcode." And of course, eventually they get to the road, and and he'd say, "Well, I'd, I'd know it if you told me the name of the road." Um, and it, it, the thing is about uber is they're a hugely effective company i mean they've really you know they they i use them a lot because they're really useful sometimes you need one you've got to get a cab uh and you can't rely on getting a black cab um but they are worse they're i mean you know in i know in the grand scheme of things they're better but as a company they're worse you know the the interaction is less personal um the the cars aren't as nice as a black cab there's not as much privacy uh that you know there's much more variability about how good the drivers are and you know and the thing is that this is mirrored it feels to me like it's mirrored everywhere you know you look at one of my favorite um restaurants in in london gabby's deli uh closed down recently and and is going to get replaced no doubt with a bloody eat or you know some other faceless chain store um and uh you know and then you've got sort of the what i used to love saturday morning tv for example this sort of zoo format tis was those kinds of things um you know people doing stuff on screen fun things games uh replaced with just you know chain cartoons back to back most of them crappy american cartoons um the fact that uh you know flying used to be a pleasant experience and exciting and now it's just total misery for most people uh you know because of security and because of the crappy service you get on modern you know um ryanair and uh, type things uh the the fact that computer games you know where companies used to invest in artificial intelligence and um good stories you know more and more it's just sort of multiplayer and, and pay to win uh customer service is terrible now uh you know because it's the cheap cheap is beating the good um uh, and the worst of all mr brain's faggots in a west country sauce 
which you know used to be one of the tastiest things ever and i got some recently for my kids and the the west country sauce was just brown like tasteless slop it wasn't anything like it, it as good as it used to be so i'm just annoyed i'm annoyed about seeing things that are high quality when you find something high quality you just know it's not going to last you know that some bloody they're either going to make it worse and cheaper you know or it'll go out of business why it's so annoying why is the world like this yeah, well, I, f- I pretty much agree with everything you've said there. So let's finish this well, podcast. Pete. Right. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> uh, Peter. Oh, so deep breath, Jack. I mean, come on. So It's not you... all that bad. Okay, right. So let's hear from the optimist. I, I'd be interested to see to what degree uh, Nick's gripes are uh, are actually true. If what, what has actually got worse? I mean, is that brown sauce not just the same and you just remember it? No, different? it isn't. That's, I've, I have actually looked into it. Yes, it's a different recipe. It's crap. okay. Well, that aside, but it, how, to what degree is uh, people sort of the, the, this perception that good, all good things have to come to an end uh, a truism, or is it just pastoralism? Is it just sort of harping back to the past and oh, everything was better in my youth because I didn't know any better? Mm. Um, everything seemed new and exciting when I was young, so it therefore was more exciting. Um, I mean, let, let, let's dig into this Uber thing a bit. What is it about black cabs that makes them better than Uber? I, I don't. I, I've had equally bad drivers and equally unpleasant drivers in Uber and in black cabs. Black cabs are way less comfortable than a mini cab style car. And if you do want to talk to the driver, you have to shout through this glass plate in a black cab. No, you don't. You switch on the microphone. Typical millennial doesn't know how cabs work. Well, it's a button which you but can use in to a, switch in the a, microphone. In a, in a Uber, and then you have to sit back because the speaker's behind you. In, a, in an Uber, I, I I sit in the front so I can talk to him. Oh God, normally. the poor driver flipping out! Imagine Peter getting in the front of your Uber and talking to you about how brilliant uh, about blockchain. Are. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, a total misery. Just, just if I just you weigh can't, in. Sorry, you can't. So, well, by the way, the you point... can't get it on with a lady in a in a in an Uber. It's not. <laughs> Well, hold on. But I know you want to come in, Peter. But are you? I just want to stay on black cabs for a minute. Yeah. Because. One thing that is great about a black cab is your driver definitely knows where he's going uh, or where she's going, but it is usually a he. I mean, they definitely know where they're going. Um, you know, I need to go to Blackheath. I need to go. I mean, they just won't be phased by unless you actually, as you say, I, funnily enough, I tried to give one a um, a postcode the other day and it's the same thing. But um, but they definitely know where they're going and, and you know yeah, you're going to get there. Yeah, but that's a party there. trick, isn't it? Because you don't, I mean, it used to be the best technology was getting humans to remember London. Yeah. That was much better. That's why it was better than a minicab because you could just rely on them to take yeah. you there. Yeah, yeah. Now SatNav has made that technology doesn't respond redundant. To, doesn't respond to current traffic conditions as well. Fraser just... now mentions the Waze app. <laughs> <laughs> I I have no, yeah. Well, they should Waze, use Waze. There you go. Uh, sorry, Peter, I interrupted your flow. Uh, yeah, so I, I'd be interested to to see if if we could measure how a lot of these sort of a lot of Nick's uh, complaints about things getting worse seem to be quite qualitative and subjective. To what degree have actually things got worse? I I know that prices and everything, but Uber has made the the cost of cab drive a uh, cab rides much much lower and m- more accessible to lots of people so that's pretty much that's a pretty good thing right so if 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 people who couldn't afford to take cabs now can afford to take cabs and as a result we've employed lots of people driving cabs that's quite a good thing mm. I, I agree i can't not agree what i'm complaining about i think is the relentless victory of price over quality yeah i think that that's what i think this boils down to yeah. um 
I, uh, you know, that, that it just, you know, why, why do, why, why, why is it the case that, you know, like good shop, good quality shops get, go out of business and crap, like the Whitehall Cafe, right? Which was a fantastic greasy spoon on Whitehall, kind of weird to get a greasy spoon on Whitehall, uh, especially today. Um, and uh, it was wonderful, you know. It's a sort of it's, it's Italian guys have been running it for years. Uh, you know, really nice fresh sandwiches. Uh, you could sit down, and get hot food. Uh, you know, really nice chips. It was great. Perfect little uh, cafe. Closed down about ten years ago. And what what appeared in its place? One of those fucking tourist tat shops. You know, selling little miniature plastic uh, towers of London. How is that an improvement in the world? How is that better? Go on, Peter. You defend that. Well, I could only—I mean, I only assume that the uh, the greasy spoon got priced out by the rates. Yeah, and... so great. So now, oh, great. Well, yeah, but they're obviously doing a better, giving people a better service. Well, like, what they're doing is giving t- tat to tourists. That's they're, it, and that's all. Pay, they're, obviously, they're, paying, that's... they're paying more local tax. I know, well. from an economic point of view, they must be adding more value. They must be. I, uh, but you know, I feel like in the wider scheme of things, they're so, really not. So you know? I see you've got your. So you're suggesting we could have some sort of government policy of intervention, of protection for no, the greasy see, spoons. No, I, I think my, I'm railing against the fact that the world is like this. I'm not saying we should do anything to stop it being like that. Ah. I think, and I think so. Uh, uh, yeah, it's kind of existential I, despair. Then. I mean, we haven't at this point injected much in the way of economics, but I think economics is behind all of this. Mm. Uh, Obviously, um, you know, there's a sort of there is a game theory aspect to this in in that you could see some of this as a sort of tragedy of the commons in that um, I think most people, I think almost everyone would say, yes, I'd rather the Whitehall Cafe was there than a tourist tat shop. But as a matter of fact, more people go into the tourist tat shop and spend more money than they did in the Whitehall Cafe. And so I think this is one of those situations where we have the existence value of something. That I like black cabs being around, but you know I, I still use Uber. I, you know I like, like the Church um, of England. Uh, I, exactly. I mean, it's a perfect example because there's no market for it. I can't subscribe to the Church of England. You know, I can't subscribe to it being there. I love the fact that it sort of is. Or it's kind of sad that if you actually go into a church, how, how few people are there. Um, but you know, I, again, yeah, I, I think I think that's the problem. There's no there's no market for a lot of the things that we value you know which are to do with um, um the existence of good things oh well, this all brings us things. on to pubs so yeah. famously in the uk you know however many thousands of pubs close a year or whatever it is um and certainly where i live in the last 10 years i live in a, a sizable village there's probably about 10 12 pubs of which about a quarter have shut down in the last year um but finding a good pub can be tricky these days um and when you find one you know damn well it's not going to be there for very long right um but what this makes me think of what you were saying is i remember reading in in a newspaper once about this pub that was uh that was having to close down and then all the villagers said no no no, this is we've got to save this pub and the landlord was saying well it's all very well you saying this well you should be coming to my pub for the last 10 years it wouldn't we wouldn't need to close down so it's kind of like like mm. we're saying that people like this stuff but don't necessarily yeah so i think now if if i mean the 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 coast theorem is is the go-to economic theorem here which basically says well if you could assign ownership of all the goods that we enjoy then um uh, you know then you would have efficient outcomes so in you know now you can't but i mean let's say that uh in theory what you could do is say well the existence of a pub is something that you know you you could imagine people subscribing to so and what is it that people like people like having the pub in their village say 
you know so if you could make it the case that uh half the village you know the people who wanted the pub could pay 10 pounds a month to keep that pub going even if even if they didn't want it and the other half didn't but they weren't able to enjoy it right the for the other half somehow the pub was invisible right then you would get these uh outcomes but the problem is that the existence of a pub simply it's a public good when it's there you know it's not excludable you can't charge people uh walking past you know five quid to keep the pub going so that there's just an inherent problem with the, with the way the world is uh, uh you know that these these sorts of outcomes can occur um i think there another th- interesting angle on it or at least something which um uh which i know is sort of something which in the rationalist community has sort of popped up recently is this concept of moloch uh, being a sort of embodiment of um the system doing things that no one in the system wants um you know the and i think for to my mind one of the classic examples would be working nine to five five days a week i think if we could all collectively decide on how long we'd like work to work for i think we'd all rather be a bit poorer house prices would be a bit lower uh you know we uh, but we could have an extra day in the weekend I, everyone wants that and yet somehow it's impossible to coordinate on it so mm. there we all are you so, know working nine to five doing doing behaving in a way that we collectively don't really want Sorry, I didn't understand. I, or maybe I missed it. What's the Moloch thing? What's the Moloch it's... is well, it's uh, it comes from a post by Scott Alexander, a uh, blog post um, where he's referring to a Ginsberg poem called. Um, uh, which well, the is... Mol- Moloch was a a ancient god in uh, Old Testament times that was that that had child sacrifices made to it, and it was mm-hmm. one of the the idols that uh, that Moses rallied, uh, railed against. Um, What's that got which, to do with a four-day week? The 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 idea being that if you think of the system as having characteristics of uh, beyond the people in it, then uh, it stops being in a way it sort of stops being a puzzle. Uh, why it is that we can collectively end up doing things that we don't like, right? You, you you go well. Actually, let's let's refer to that force, whatever that force is that pushes us into doing that as Moloch, and then we have then we have something we can talk about. Like we can start saying why? Why are we doing this? Why? Why is? Why? Why do these forces? Let's accept that this happens. That we collectively behave in a way that leads to outcomes we don't like. Yeah. Um. And if you think of that, then then, yeah. Then then you're no longer in a position of saying what do we as individuals have to do. We can say well, what is it about the system that makes it push us it, into these it, outcomes? It's a sort of tragedy of the commons. Yeah. Essentially, that is. I think behind all of it, but it's quite hard sometimes to spot where that is, like where mm. the externality is that's mm. ca- that's causing the, this behaviour. Um, okay, um, there's something. So look, I want to sort of change tack slightly. Um, I know, I forget you've mentioned once or twice before, uh, Nick. There's that bloke who's doing des- does TED talks about actually things are better than than you know that they were. You mean Hans Rosling? No, there's another one. Maybe it is he's got like great oh, well, curly Stephen hair. Pinker. That's what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, but unarguably there are some things that are definitely better. For example, uh, war. There's way less war, way less deaths per annum than there from is, war. Goes Disease thing, uh, and uh, there's uh, any number I, of things. I, I, we are, and, and actually, all Ubers are, you know, as Peter says, like strictly speaking, they're 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 economic improvements, no doubt about it. Yeah, people are better off because of Uber. Yeah. And yet, there are still definitely some. Yeah, it's a bit. I think it's a bit like create the opposite of creative destruction, almost. You know, which is the idea that we the economy uh, grows not because any individual company grows, 
the economy grows because new companies come along and destroy the old companies. So what you're going to see is a process of continual going out of business, which uh, leads to a situation where we're all actually somehow better off. And I feel like it's a, not unlike that. You know, it's actually sort of you point to lots and lots of individual things and go that this is clearly better. This is an improvement. Um, and but somehow at the end of it, you know, some of a lot of the good things have vanished. Yeah. You know? I mean, on the danger in the danger of sort of sounding um, uh, like an old git. Yeah, like an old git, but also just overattached to nostalgia and so on. When I talk to my mum about her childhood, I love hearing her stories. She grew up in a market uh, village stroke town, and um, yes, so back in those days, so we're talking the sort of nineteen forties, really. Mm. Um, certainly, at least one major thing going on, which was back then, which was not very pleasant, which was the Second World War. Uh, but you know disease uh domestic violence uh maybe child abuse as well but this is what everyone says There's... and i don't i'm not buying it like you just be, if you want people to be polite to each other in a village have a high level of trust but i don't see why you also have to have polio and domestic violence in the second world war why can't we have the first <laughs> thing and not the other things like everyone always says that oh oh yeah you want to go back to the days when it was illegal to beat your wife yeah. and so on but no i don't right i just want to get rid of some of the really shit things yeah i'm not, Maybe, I'm, not, I'm, not I'm i think the sort of child abuse and domestic violence were probably sky high uh just they just weren't reported right yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, i mean look, the fact and talked we about well, whereas now well, it's it's normal no. and it's, you 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 want people to talk about it you want people to let you know if then if they're in trouble because you then they can help that's sort of much more open uh, than we were uh, with the, yeah i, I mean what, what i'm saying is that the problem is i feel like the conversation veers between two extremes mm. and i i as usual i'm in the middle one is people saying everything's gone to shit and it was better in the old days and another is saying well look here's fifty thousand things that were worse in the old days um and I, I i feel like usually they're talking about different things and i i certainly am you know that there are there are the fact that i i am like stephen pinker always usually defending the present doesn't mean that I don't recognise that there are things about the present that are unambiguously worse. I don't see why I have to accept that everything is better and we're living in a paradise because it, it's not, you know, it's patently not true. Mm. Um, some things are worse, you know. Uh, yeah, we don't have Concord anymore, for example. Concord is a good example. Now, have you ever been on Concord? I've been inside a stationary one, yeah. Yeah, it's not the same thing. I mean, no one what, actually so you've used... Been actually been no on... one used... I can't understand how Concord couldn't have been... I mean, the people pay about 10,000 quid to be on it, you know, but it's a good example of something which was really, really bloody cool. Mm. You know, when I was a kid, everyone had a model Concorde and one day I was going to go on Concorde mm. and, you know, and then it's disappeared. And now you've all you've got is Ryanair. Uh, uh, why? And actually, this, this brings me on when <laughs> so you were annoying. Well, you on, so that's not quite true. You have got different strata of levels of service. Have, for have, have you got Concorde? No, you haven't got right, Concorde. So it's worse. And space shuttles, they've gone as well. <laughs> and just by chance, I was on a, a, a Ryanair flight two nights ago, and um, I have to say, quite a young cabin crew. And they were standing in front of me, and they were having a, a good laugh and a conversation about something that happened the other night, and they were swearing quite a lot. Shocking. Yeah. Wouldn't happen on BA. <laughs> I, heard a, I, had a, I had a copper swear the other day. Really? To his, to his uh, fellow copper. 
Luckily, I didn't have my kids with him, or I'd have told them off. Yeah, give uh, him a piece of your mind. We're close to bringing the service. We're close to one. I'm not sure if we've achieved anything in this conversation. I've got a lot off uh, my chest. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> other than getting, you know, feeling a bit better, and you know, uh, Peter, to sort of round. There's one. There's a question I want to come on to, but before I do, is there anything you you'd like to say, Peter? Sort of. Well, yeah. We, I, I, if we've got time um, to pick up the the. the the village pub example where you can't not charge people because everyone's going to benefit a little bit from the pub being there um there are places that you can so airlines is a good example you do have quite different strata of levels of service and as a result different price different price models so ryanair kind of somewhere near the bottom arguably and then ba and then other ones further up with 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 higher more comfortable levels of service um but i think what where 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 it does work, where you can have more complicating pricing models, are places like online on online services. So, if you if you buy any piece of software online, any web service, there's usually three or four different tiers. So there'll be the basic, which might even be free. Then there'll be an intermediate and a higher tier, which give you more stuff, because it's possible to differentiate different levels of service and different functionality. Yeah, but this breaks down sometimes. So, for example, going back to Ryanair the other day. Uh, I had priority boarding. And the reason why I'd purchased priority boarding was because I needed to have two bags with me to go into the cabin. Worked fine flying out of Stansted going to to uh, Italy. But flying back, no, it was just a complete free-for-all. And I was just standing there harumphing. Uh, going, is this at the Italian end by It, it was. It was. Oh, what a yeah. surprise. What a surprise <laughs> that a queuing system breaks down. <laughs> no, I, there, look, the that is a good example of Moloch, I think. Uh, actually, not quite what you were talking about, but... Um, you know, where when they don't have priority boarding, it's just a free for all. Then they bring in priority boarding. So, you know, you, you decide to get priority boarding. Great. Now I now I get to go on first and everyone else. It's a free for all. And then eventually people go, well, I better get priority boarding. And before you know, it, we're all buying priority boarding and we're no better off than we were in the first place. Um, that is a perfect example of, of a Moloch type type outcome. There's a come fly with me sketch exactly about that. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, well, look, we, we, we need to finish We off. need to do a podcast about airline boarding, uh, yes, methods, by the way. we do. Because there's a lot of really uh, counterintuitive science about that. Oh, really? Yeah. No, anyway, I definitely want to do that. This is a different podcast. Yeah. Um, look, just to round things off, uh, a quick question. This podcast has been about, well, good things coming to an end. Well, let's talk about one thing that you really enjoy that hasn't come to an end. And you can see, hopefully, carrying on for the future. Um, jump in when you're ready. Well, uh, after every podcast recording, we go down to to a restaurant called Bun and Bar on Green Lanes, and it is I love the place. I think it's really nice atmosphere. It's always empty when we go in, uh, which is worrying, I suppose. But it, you know, the food is really nice. Uh, it's a very relaxed atmosphere, and um, it feels a bit like a place that probably ought to be in a different part of town. It probably should be in you know Shoreditch or something, but it's here in in Turnpike Lane. And um, and I I love it and I I you know every time I go I I'm sort of thankful that it's that it is uh, still open you know because I worry that one day I'll go down there and it'll turn into yet another Turkish restaurant. And which is funny you should say that because I sit there staring longingly over the restaurant on the other side of the road, which is a Turkish restaurant, wishing well, when, I could go in there. When when you live in a place where every other shop is a Turkish <laughs> restaurant, you 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 and much as I love Turkish food, um, you know you don't need any more of it. Okay, uh, Peter. A uh, couple of things, but what one is related is the the, the re- relatively recent sort of resurgence of uh, beer as a culinary thing. 
in 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 Britain. So it's sort of it's it's partly to do with the resurgence of the kind of American style fizzy IPA stuff, but also the springing up of lots of little micro pubs all over the place. So it's it's sort of the the camera people have won, and we've got good beer everywhere. Mm. Peter's right. It's a great, really really good. Every time you're feeling pessimistic, remember camera campaign for real ale they brought it back from the brink yeah. and and we now have you know we have a really vibrant beer culture again um let, let us never let us never forget <laughs> i feel like some stirring music should yeah. be coming at this point can you overlay you know some beethoven or yeah something on that? a bit of elgar yeah. i think <laughs> um look i actually so my one actually i now can't think of anything else other than what you've just said um and going back to my village where I live, there's a great little pub called The Gate. It's, it ticks all the boxes. I think it's got the largest collection of hand pump plates in England. And they're yeah, hanging right. up all over the ceilings. So that's the first thing. Um, the landlord, so it's run by three generations. And the one who holds the license used to play um, centre back for Crystal Palace. So you've got a retired football player running the pub, so as should be. Perfect. Um, they are also a microbrewery, but have been doing it for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not had any work done to the pub in about 40 years, as far as I can see. That's fine with me. I like it as it is, you know, so proper old pub furnishings. Um, yeah, and, and also the the landlord, the older, yeah, he can be a bit of a cantankerous old git. And he's got a great line in swear words. I mean, it's just everything is as it should be. And also, probably more important than anything else, it's cheap. It's really reasonably priced. It's like still oh, I, three I hear, pounds. I hear the terrifying sound of the Weatherspoons, uh, Weatherspoons business development department sharpening their pencils. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I have to confess, I, I don't think it's going to be around for very long, that pub, uh, for much longer now. Um, but yes, so probably the same. Is, yeah. is, is there something in there that everything we've mentioned is to do with beer? Good point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so on that note, let's go off and have a hamburger and a beer. Mm. Um, thank you, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>